0: Welcome back to all of you beautiful, amazing, incredible individuals that listen to the Black Creative Connect podcast, where we speak for some of the most amazing, inspirational, game-changing, deep, right, black entrepreneurs, global leaders worldwide. And today we have Alex Holmes. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. So for those that don't know Alex, he's a speaker. You're a well-being consultant. Um, you have a book, Time to Talk, yep. right here as well. We'll talk about that a bit later as well. Also, award-winning podcast host too. Don't let me know if I've missed out anything at all.
1: Trainee psychotherapist.
0: Trainee psychotherapist and pre-journalist as well.
1: Pre-journalist, yeah.
0: Right, all of these different things. So mm-hmm. welcome, big up yourself, Alex. Big up yourself. Big up yourself. How you feeling? What's what's happening? You
1: know what? Um... I'm good, man. I feel, what I've been actually been saying for a while is that I'm fighting for my life. And oh. I think, and I say that, and I like, I say it with like tongue in cheek, mm-hmm. um, just because it's just every day we are presented with so many new challenges, so mm-hmm. many new things that we've got to keep pushing forward and keep pushing against. And it's that resilience and that kind of challenge that I keep pushing for each day, trying to find new things, trying to, trying to get mm-hmm. out of old habits, old ways, old things, and kind of make room for the new new relationships Mm -hmm. new experiences new creative pursuits new things that just keep us young but -hmm. also just keep us like diverse and trying new things as well so i'm kind of just i'm always saying that like Mm -hmm. i'm always putting my like i'm putting it out there um i'm fighting for like that kind of freedom that creativity Mm -hmm. that life that i want so i'm fighting for it um so yeah that's pretty much where i'm at
0: Got deeper already. Like, yeah, like, like straight in there.
1: I don't take my time.
0: Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm here for it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's all good. Yeah. Why, out of interest, mm. before we kind of get into your journey, why do you say fighting for? What is the fight in, in all of this?
1: Um, Because I I say fight because it's that I like what the connotation comes with it. Mm. You know what I mean? It's just like you're battling, trying to get through. Mm. But sometimes it's not always you're up against an enemy or anything or something, but you're you are battling resistance. We battle resistance each day. We battle certain challenges and a lot of the resistance comes from ourselves that we're battling to. So, you know, the little self that I write about it in the book quite a bit about this inner critic, the inner voice, the things that are trying oh. to hold us back, the procrastination, the the things that pop up that we could change our day drastic, drastic, uh, yeah. drastically. Yeah. But also, like the things that we always forget the things that could change our day for the better could always, yeah. you know, the, the gratitude that we can find. So I'm fighting for those things for the gratitude, for the better, for the sunshine. I'm fighting for that, but mm. I'm still present when it's doesn't feel that good, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like every day it feels like a fight. It feels like, a, all right, what are we going to do next? No. Does not necessarily mean that, um, you know, I'm expending too much energy or I'm harming myself emotionally. You know what I mean? Mm. Energetically, it's just more like, how am I pursuing? And even if I am not feeling as if I'm pursuing, what is it that I am doing to mm. help preserve myself, to uh, mm. keep myself together? As we get given so many battles. I mean, as millennials, we're just kind of mm-hmm. we're trying so as a black hard man too. as a black man. Yeah, you know, just trying to get through to the next thing. You know, trying to realize our dreams, trying to realize ourselves, trying to understand who we are in all of this. That's and really uh, nice. and it is a, it is a fight but I'm just, I'm enjoying the journey as we go.
0: Yeah, so you, the thing is you have to, because I feel like things are changing so fast. Like what we're saying off camera, like it's all about content now. Like it's crazy to think about 10 years ago, what they were teaching us. No one would ever think you really need to be focused on our content if you wanna excel in your business, but that's something else to think about. Okay, how do I position myself? Who do I be? How authentic am, am I online? Yeah. What am I talking about? What's the call to action? All of these different things. So as you're going through that journey, what are some of the things that you're doing at the moment to like push through those hard days when you talk to yourself negatively? Like, what are some of the techniques that you incorporate? And again, we're jumping in here, yeah. but, but we're on the topic. So,
1: um, I make sure that I make room to vent. I make sure that I'm, okay. a, I'm able to vent because I think that when I'm the, a lot of the work I do when I'm coaching mm. and when I'm working therapeutically with people is that I tell them, like, you know, a lot of the goals that you have, the things that you want, mm. you know, the life that you want to live because you're not talking because you're not venting because you're not putting your putting your ideas and your thoughts out there because you're not challenging yourself mm. and being able to articulate like where you are because you're keeping everything to yourself everything is just in your head generally especially with men it's like it's a head thing mm. and it takes a while for it to come down to a heart thing so that you can kind of you know go out and achieve the things that you want so mm. I, I give myself opportunity to do that and when I say that I'm looking at journaling I'm looking at getting stuff out of me and into the paper I'm looking at you know, containing it with a group of people or a a person that um, I can trust and kind of create a safe space for me. I'm making sure that I'm in a space where I can adequately share what is going on with me because it's no use it staying inside of me. There's no use it eating away at my my spirit, Mm. at my confidence, at my self-esteem, at who I am. When I could literally come, like coming onto this show, talking to you, Mm. being able to call up a friend call up a sibling mm. you know speak to people who I feel safe with and I can create that bond of safety with mm. you know so a lot of the time a lot of my thing starts with venting getting these thoughts these feelings onto paper outside of me and contained in a safe space so that I can look at it and be like actually I can achieve those things mm. I can move through this obstacle it's mm. not all up in here Yeah, you know, it moves down and like actually, you're going through this as well. They're going through that as well. Oh, Mm. they've provided an opportunity for me because I've spoken about it and I've said what's happening, rather than just keeping everything bottled up inside here. So I make sure I make room for that in my life. So is that how you, you, like you mentioned
0: earlier on, that you want to make that you make room actively for new things to come into your life? Is that one of the techniques that you adopt to make new room for your life? Yeah. Is there anything else? That you do to make room for other growth areas, because I think that's important mm. for growth.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could be stereotypical and do you know the affirmations and all of these things. But it is what it is. But it is what it is. But I don't necessarily go there because I've I've been asked recently around that, like, mm. oh, what affirmations do you do? And affirmations for me, they weren't the most natural thing for me to do. They weren't the they weren't the thing that. um I went to naturally like Mm -hmm. talking to myself in the mirror like in that sense but I mean once I learned what I was saying and what I wanted and kind of who I wanted to be how I Mm -hmm. wanted to feel that stuff really became beneficial so being Mm -hmm. able to get again being able to get it out of you Mm -hmm. but also physical exertion so going so going for walks making sure that I'm keeping myself healthy and fit Mm -hmm. because if the body can't contain you the body if your body doesn't feel like it's strong enough for you then it's going Mm -hmm. to kind of Decrease its strength in places and you're gonna and you need to have that kind of balanced holistic view in order for us to be you know to focus on our well-being and who we are as we go forward so um a lot of that stuff you know like making sure that i meditate making sure that i just making sure i go for walks and now it's I know it's raining today, but now that (laughs) now that it's like summertime and um, the sun rises early and it's pretty warm, I make sure that I get out and the sunshine sees me.
0: Yeah, I see the sun. Like
1: I make sure that that is something that I do. Like first thing, Um, there's so many different elements, but I make sure that I put myself in those positions. Even Mm. when I'm feeling as if I don't want to get up and go, Mm. I push myself because I know what my purpose is, Mm. and it's to make it through to the next thing. Mm, 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 mm. Um. And I can't help anybody if I'm not helping myself. Exactly. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, those are some of the mini things we can get into more later. But yeah. some of the mini things that I try to make sure that I do for myself each day.
0: I love that you're conscious of it mm. as well, because I feel like, again, people talking about talk about growing, talk about the next step. But the how sometimes isn't always defined and people don't process that there is there are things that you need to do for yourself in order for you to move forward and to discover what's next for you as well. So I'm glad that you kind of started off on that and just mentioned that as an opener. It's really mm-hmm. real of you. Thank you. Appreciate it. But um so what I like to do with all of my guests is understand your start out in life, yeah. your soil. Like what made you you to where you are today. So Start from wherever you want. Some people start from when they're free, some people start from when they're sixteen. Wherever you want to start off, tell us the story of um Alex Hans.
1: Okay. I mean, a large part of my story actually starts in my early twenties. Okay. Um, but we're gonna like you know, you know on um on like a, on a track when you go back like fifteen seconds just yeah, to, yeah. a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, so growing up, West Indian family, um, super loving um acts of service is the, is, the, is the love language generally mm. um, in in those kind of areas and but it wasn't my love language it was just what i was kind of in doing mm. um and i recognized that you know there were elements of a lot of you know a lot of men not speaking about what they're going through like and um understanding that Parts of my conditioning was that I don't speak about what's happening to me. We repress. We keep things to ourselves. We aren't going to be accepted if we start talking about our mental well-being, our our emotions. Our feelings and stuff. Feelings and all these different things. Crying was taboo. All of that.
0: Question. Do you think that that's a black man thing or do you think that's just the people, human thing?
1: Hmm. I do think... I do think it is a masculinity thing, okay. which doesn't necessarily mean it's for men, women, or non-binary. Mm. It's just it's just a masculinity mm. thing, and I think that we we obviously hold masculinity to higher regard mm. than femininity, and in order for like society to like function in the way that they want, like they like for society to function in the yeah. way the you know the wider. Populists want it to function mm. it has to have certain rules mm. masculinity needs to function in a particular way mm. which is stoic which is you know keep your emotions to yourself um keep your problems to yourself you're meant to be able to handle stuff mm. um you know loyalty to a fault all of these different things mm. work hard work hard work hard and reap whatever results you can mm. um you know blind courage all of these different things mm. so when you start to add that to the black experience the black man's experience um you know we're coming from a legacy of typically in most cases come from a legacy of oppression of colonization of these ideals which you know uphold white supremacist white supremacist thought and you know patriarchy and all of these different things um in order to survive in order to help us get from next one stage to the next in order for us to help us understand our place mm. in in all of this, um especially because I mean the one key difference when you're black is that you're trying to conform to a, a standard in society so that you could feel safe and mm. your family feel safe and the people that are around you feel safe mm. um, But what happens when it's counterintuitive mm. is that we start to break a little bit because mm. you know we're like we're not doing the things that you know, the, you know the European kind of ideal or yeah. European way of doing stuff um, but that's not to say that it doesn't affect European men mm. they have their own kind of they, they set these standards mm. a lot of the time there are people that came back from the war and they were shell-shocked which is just post-traumatic stress yeah. um, experiences and they just couldn't talk about it they were struggling with it yeah. all these different things um, you know we've got grandparents that came from the Windrush generation and the post war generation and whatnot. And they come from a very particular set of ideals in family, in work life, in society, where they had to, the things were rationing, you know, they come from a place of lack, you know, they, so, and there were certain standards and structures that the men at that, of that time had to uphold. Um, I think where we're at now is that we are questioning a lot more what that means. The standards are slightly changing. Um, because we're recognizing how it's destructive to us as well as destructive to others. Yeah. A lot more people are actually trying to up like you know, the very few people are trying to uphold those kind of ideals. Um, because everybody's we're battling we're, we're having a moral kind of
0: yeah
1: question right now. What's right? What's wrong? Who's doing this? Who's doing that? Like,
0: there's so there's is so much this? options of yeah. what to be out there. Yeah, exactly. So that's all that. of this,
1: and then it's a question of like, well because a lot of the work that I'm doing with young people mm. right now is about the young young boys, is about asking them, what is a good man? And what does that look like for them? Trying to help mm. them to understand where they're coming from because I'm doing a lot of presentations on the manosphere mm. and masculinity and misogyny and how does this impact us as yeah. men yeah. and young boys growing, growing into men mm. and, and that kind of trajectory into that space, that rite mm. of passage. Um, so me growing up now, I was very much I like you know, I saw all these representations of masculinity through hip hop, through my father, through my uncles, my godparents, and men in my life in that way. Um, through TV dads, through MTV sons, you know, yeah. Fresh Prince of Bel Air, my African kids, all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like they kind of showed, like, they kind of showed you who to be and what to be in a sense they kind of presented an ideal but nobody actively sat down and told me like this, this is, is what the, this is a this, man. This is what the this is what the making of a man is really? kind of, yeah it was never like a um it was um it was more of an understanding sort of thing if I saw my dad do certain things I had to, I was understanding that he would be fixing certain stuff and he would say come and have a look at this and i Watching, yeah. like, okay, this is what's going on, mm. but there weren't necessarily any concrete lessons. In of this is how but you're you... watching behavior, you're yeah. watching how people talk to one another, you're watching um how people respond to stuff. And as and the older you grow, as a young boy, you know your parents are your heroes. Yeah, you're, the adults are always right. The adults are always. In control, there's always something there. sometimes. sometimes. Me, <laughs> me I made up my own rules sometimes. But yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> <laughs> but when you start to clock certain things, you start to clock, you know. I mean I'm from an early age, I started clocking disingenuity, I started clocking hypocrisy, started clocking in inconsistencies mm. in the story. I'm like, this, this don't make yeah. like, no You're saying this, you're saying this. Yeah. Um and then as I started growing up and having a bit more agency, you know, I started seeing how how much I had to start holding back. I was very much. A, I was a very expressive boy. Like I would cry. I would say stuff. I'd be like. I'd be curious. I'd ask questions. I'd do all these things. And then, when you start to grow up and you start to feel as if your words aren't being heard, your value isn't being, you know, by who, by by just literally just by virtue of people in the env- in the environment. So my dad may say something to me, you know, like, they tell me just to be quiet because uh, big, big people are talking. Yeah, yeah, You may literally say, you may literally have the last word on something and I want to say something. And then it's like, you can't you can't say that, like, you know, you, everybody's raising their voices and all these, these different things. Mm. You start to argue back and it just becomes tension or, mm. you know, and that's not just the men. It's like, you know, it's women as well. Yeah. You've got all these different stuff, yeah. but then you spend most of your time at school. So, you know, you're now at school and you're trying to like navigate certain things and you know you're learning again how to be a man through these boys that are in your year and whatnot you're trying to figure out what you can say what you can't say what is what is okay to what is acceptable as a boy to say or do whether that be like say i used to do performing arts for example Mm -hmm. um and i remember one of my friends i used to love singing i used to do that at church and all these different things and my, my friend he like like Stupid to think about it now, but you'd be like, "Ah, oh, all singers are gay. All male singers are gay." Mm, mm. And I'd be like, "What do you? What are you talking about? Mm. Like we've got Usher, we've got Jimmy, yeah. we've got Chris Brown, we've got Lloyd, we've got all these people. What do you? What do you mean? You've got Gerald Levert, Luther, everybody. Yeah, some are, but it doesn't necessarily mean that just because you sing, you are." And it just kind of and that and that again that kind of plays in that your mind. Plays in your mind. Way, yeah. You're forty. You're thinking, Wow, oh, Like, why am I singing? Am I should I be singing? All these different things they play in your mind. Like just little seeds are just planted just over time. So you kind of help you. You kind of hold yourself back and away so you start to think about how you're going to feel accepted and it's one of the cultures Mm. of the man box
0: so when you when you were growing up you raised so many important points right Mm. but when you were growing up and you saw these different versions of, of men in school at home on tv in the media and so forth did you see a prominent man in your life that you felt like wherever he was i want to be like you or you inspire me or i want to take as much as i can from you and why?
1: You know what? I oh no, I don't think I did. Oh, you didn't. And do you, and do you know why? And do you know why it's because I was exposed to so many different men oh, like really? in my life. So I it was just like all of these men in my life were were just for me growing up. Were just people. So when I'm when I'm writing the book and when I'm talking and I'm working with coach, well, coaching and I'm working with my clients and stuff, mm. and they're telling me about the, the, who their parent, who their dad was, and mm. who their ex ones are. And I'm just like, I understand this experience, but I never experienced fully the certain experiences that a certain man went through. Because yeah. I had my dad there all the time, but I understood what it meant to have emotional distance in that. So I understood that. But he was always present. I understood what it meant to, um, you know, obviously be disciplined by yeah. by men in the family and, you know, kind of... Um, be upset that you're being disciplined in mm-hmm. one way. I understood what it meant to learn lessons from certain, you know what I mean? I understood all of these different things. I had quite a good number of male teachers and all these different stuff. So, so it was quite balanced in the sense that I can't think back to think, oh, I wanted to be like any one of these guys. But when I I do remember like people like Denzel Washington, people like right. Will Smith, um, people... In, in in that way, I used to be like, ah, oh, those are really cool black men. Why? Because I wanted to act growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just liked the, the fact that they were, well, specifically Denzel Washington, I liked the fact that he just commanded a certain level of respect. He was respected, he respected himself. He knew exactly who he was in the interviews that I saw, in the films that I watched. And he was just always one of those presences that have just always been there. Yeah, You know, like, he's just one of those timeless faces. He's got a
0: name, and it's, even his name, Denzel Washington, I want to watch it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and you, and, you, and you know what kind of, like, story you're going to get. Will Smith, I mean, watching Fresh Prince of Air growing up, he was pretty young at the time, so it was kind of that same feeling yeah. of feeling kind of young and whatnot. Um, and I just kind of, and as I said, I pulled from a lot of these characters on TV and, and whatnot, and, like... I just felt at home there, in a sense.
0: That's interesting. Mm. So you felt more connected with people that you probably didn't know directly, but then people that you had daily interactions with. That's very interesting. Mm. So then my question for you is, when did you come to that realization and confirm, okay, this is the man who I am? Oh. Because that's a journey. So when did you come to that and how did you come to that? Yeah. Region?
1: Um. Yeah, so when I got to my mid 20s, I I was working as a journalist and it was a it was a tough ride. I was in a predominantly white organization. Mm. I was in there as a diversity hire pretty much, um which was a good opportunity to basically, you know, to as a ladder up for mm. other people, but it was wasn't a great experience for me. It was very like I felt at odds with being in there um i didn't feel like i belonged there it was just a bit of it didn't feel safe emotionally enough and i was just really just kind of regretting each day that i was in there sort of stuff
0: what were the things that made you feel like that because that's quite deep microaggressions have
1: you ever been stopped in search before where did you study um how did you get here did you you know like listening to conversations about people's pay and realizing i'm being paid considerably less yeah Um, listening to people's stories about how they got into journalism and realizing that I literally haven't had no connections to get here. But a lot of these people had dads who played golf with the editors of this and that Mm. and whatnot. Little things that just kind of niggled away at my confidence a little bit. Um, And I wasn't of the emotional maturity to sit there and be like, well, I'm here. I'm gonna make the most of it. This is me. i yeah, doing yeah. this. I was just not there emotionally. I was very sensitive. I was very I wasn't very resilient. I wasn't um I wasn't the self-assured kind of self confident person that I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Like like the Denzel, like the mm-hmm. Will Smith. Like, you know, like these. Yeah, people. yeah, Okay, questionable about Will Smith. At the minute. <laughs> but <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's such I was never that person that, that image that I saw. I just mm-hmm. I just was kind of in there getting Felt like I was getting battered emotionally in that place every time I went in, Um, and it just wasn't a great experience for me. Um, So I was in there, had um, a few panic attacks while I was working in in the place. That's
0: the impact it had on you. Yeah, because I was
1: both because it like like I was stressing about the role, so making sure that I was doing the job well, but I was also stressed about. you know like i'm back home i was at, i was away from i was at uni for four years and i went and taught abroad and i was very independent and i was doing all these things and mm-hmm. I, now i'm back home so you've got this social kind of impact like are oh, you live back at home with your parents and all these different things and now you've got that didn't have any connections when i came back to the uk um so i had to like make friends all over again because most of my friends were different unis or they were we were just all disconnected because I went abroad mm-hmm. and I went to a different union stuff, and um so there were no re- there were no connections in London for me, so I had to kind of spend time trying to build community again. so it was quite a lonely experience. Um, the job was hard itself, and um just and, it, and I felt like I couldn't talk to anybody about it.
0: No, manager h nobody. It wasn't,
1: it, it wasn't that like it was everybody everybody was busy, and everybody had to, was focusing on their own stuff. Everybody was doing their own thing and focusing on who they like. Yeah. they very, you know, they knew who they were. They were just driving themselves in that way and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and even when I did manage to get around to talking about pay or feelings of um, alienation, because they they alien like the desk I was on alienated me for a while. Um, they didn't know they were doing it. Well, I hope they didn't know, but they didn't. In fact they knew that what they were doing, but they but they naturally kind of did it put me on the yeah. end. This different stuff um so once that all happened i was like i was like this is n- like this is not what i what i want this is not the feeling i want to have when i'm at work um when you're consistently being criticized for your work and it's a it's a huge dent in your self-esteem in your in your kind of personality and all of these different things so i just kind of had a moment where i was just like i can't do this i was just super stressed i wasn't sleeping negative coping mechanisms so i was in the gym but i was also like drinking heavily um and i was i wasn't sleeping and it was just a, a poor cycle so i'll wake up drink coffee go to go to work hate it drink more coffee when i'm there um probably try and try and grab a friend to go to a, an event or something or go grab food after and then drink some more while I'm there, get home, drink some more again. You know what I mean? So my whole life was kind of on this really like, weird... Like repeat, yeah, hamster a, weird hamster wheel thing.
0: But during, during this time, mm. I know you mentioned that when you came back from studying abroad, you had to build up your community again and friendships and so forth. Did you have external support at that time? Like, and external friends that were there for you? And if so, what, you don't have to say their names, but what were their demographic? Like, what was... Their relationship to you?
1: When I came back, yeah. So I talk about this in the book. So when I when I came back, I one of my good friends, um, he kind of pulled me into a friendship group. Okay. And I think I was literally searching for friendship groups. And I, at this time, I was in, I, I had gone through two, so this was one friendship group, and then there was another friendship group that I was kind of going through. And both of those friendships ended for me. Because of just just various reasons of like mm-hmm. I didn't gel with the people. Alignment, yeah, there it. was no alignment, mm-hmm. but I felt like um, I had this people pleasing persona where I wanted to be
0: Accept. accepted. I
1: wanted to be in the group. I wanted to, I wanted to feel held and feel mm-hmm. supported by a group and a community, and I just wasn't getting that. And um, they both ended quite tragically. I say tragic, but um, just loads and just loads of different things, you know. One thing about the universe, God, spirit, whatever you decide is like, when they're telling you one thing and they start showing you what people are like, they start showing you who's in your life, they start showing you their character, you have a decision to make. And if you don't hear it the first time, you're going to hear it in a more intensified way. The second time, if you're like, that time you're going to hear it again. Um, And I just wasn't listening to those marks. I wasn't listening to what I was saying in these groups. I wasn't listening Mm. to what was being said to me. And I wasn't like, I wasn't trying to find out who I could have been in any yeah. of this, the best version of myself in any of that. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, then I, so I ended up leaving those friendship groups and then I was then I was here back again, like with no one to really speak to, no one mm-hmm. to help me through those defining years. And like when you turn 24, 25, 26 and whatnot. Um. I'm I, I to
0: give you a cuddle.
1: No, nah, right? man, I'm this good. A, like I mean this is like this is kind of um you wanna give twenty six year old, twenty five year old me a cuddle. Because thirty <laughs> one I've been through that, like, I'm like, you know yeah, what? Yeah, it, it you, it is. you know what it is. But like it's part of it's part of that that journey to know what kind of experience I wanted from friendships. Yeah. To know what experience I wanted um from family and just to know but it all started with me building a better relationship with myself. I was in all of these environments and I just wasn't aligning with my own values, mm. my own beliefs, mm. all of these things that just weren't aligning. So I was in all these groups that shouldn't share any of the same things that I valued. They were kind of counter to it. And I was being, exactly. sh- and I was being showed that all the time. And because I wasn't listening, it was just like, all right, this is gonna hurt you more, it's gonna hurt you more, it's gonna hurt you more. Now you have to be thrown out of these groups.
0: What are some of the values you, you're speaking about? The ones you feel comfortable sharing.
1: All right. So my values are: I'm not big on I'm not big on bigotry.
0: What, what does that mean? Bigotry.
1: I don't like the I don't like the racism. I don't like the, tra- course, I don't yeah. like the transphobia. I okay. don't like the homophobia. Okay. I don't like the sexism. I don't like misogyny. <laughs> I, mis- okay. I don't like any of those things. Right. Um. I try my best to accept and be as accepting and embracing of people. Because everybody just wants to feel seen, heard, mm-hmm. loved and, and, and as if they belong somewhere, right? Exactly, yeah um, And I don't see myself contributing to that I don't like the idea of contributing to those things So yeah. I just thought, you know what, that's not me mm-hmm. But I also value trust I also value um, honesty, but honesty with love Because mm-hmm. honesty without love is quite cruel, mm-hmm. right? Um, I value... Feelings of integrity, um, and I value safety. so those are the few that i'm that I'm big on. And if I don't have the safety, and if i'm and if I'm not met with kind honesty, and if I'm not met, with um, you know, with trustworthy people who I can trust and who they and they can trust me in turn and in kind, because I mean a lot of those ranges, I broke trust as well. So it's, it's not just everything was happening to me; I was doing stuff mm-hmm. and I was enacting in, in really strange ways with so all I'm the be- with you. all the best intentions. But when I when obviously like over time, you look back and you're like, actually, that was yeah. Real. Like I wouldn't be doing this now because I wasn't a good communicator But then. Right. So um. Yeah, so just doing all that, you know. When I start, when I hear like sprinklings of isms <laughs> or phobias or all yeah, these kind of it things, I start to just, I start to question it now. Rather mm-hmm. than be like, rather than let things slide, I will be like, you know, what's happening? Like, any one of my friends now, you know, like if I go with like with some of my boys and and I know that they are in a relationship and they are doing stuff that yeah. they shouldn't be doing because they're yeah. in a relationship. We'll that's that's my trust. That's my integrity. You can't bring me around your partner. It's get me to trust and be part of your community. your yeah. your life. I mean, you're going out to deal with this stuff. Yeah, I hear you. yeah. Don't waste my time. Like, I'm going to draw you up because I don't want to have to look at your partner's face and be like, oh, like, you know, it was, you know, all of these different things. So for me, I'm like, let's have those values in place. Um, so I know. So when they are, when the line is crossed, I can address them and we can kind of go from there. So, learning those what those are, and yeah. also then being able to draw effective boundaries was important for me because I just I was just boundaryless, and I was just out here trying to case everybody but myself.
0: The thing is though, I feel like thank you for sharing that by the way, that's mm. really open of you. I that's feel true. like um in life, I think it's normal to go through the process of no boundaries yep. like and and discovering them on your own? Because everyone that I know has at one point in their life had no boundaries. Are they black?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Because boundaries in a black household just wasn't it? (laughs) You know what? It
0: wasn't, but we can be real about it. There weren't very many. It's
1: not very common. And, um, but it all depends. Like it depends if you're the oldest sibling. It depends if you're the youngest sibling. It depends if you're the middle one. Mm. All of these different things. It depends if your parents are first generation immigrants Mm. or second generation immigrants. It depends on the community you come from and the kind of people in it, right? I know that as an older sibling, boundaries probably aren't necessarily going to be the thing because I'm required to do a lot of stuff. I'm asked to do stuff, I do it, sort of thing. It's only in the past, what, three, four, five years that I've kind of drawn a line and been like, I'm not doing that that's not my role, that's mm. not my thing I'm doing. Mm. Whereas younger siblings will probably be like, why, why am I doing that? Oh,
0: listen, thing? my youngest sister, I'm the oldest yeah. out of four, and my youngest sister, that's her. She, yeah. she would just say no, she would just... no explanation.
1: That's it. No apologising. Well, like I, I remember seeing, um, I was talking to my friend and he's an only child. And there was a video, there's a video on TikTok and it's like, oh, do you even notice, like for, like, for those of you who have siblings, do you ever notice, like, only children just leave and <laughs> don't say where they're going? Sure. And we were talking about it. You were like...
0: Does he, was like, does he
1: do like, that? Like, he was like, do I do this? I was like, yes, he does. He just gets up and goes. If he decides that he's leaving, he's just... He'll say, oh, bye. Yeah, yeah not yeah. see where he's going. Whereas, as an older sibling, I'm like, guys, I'm going to be out at this time. I'm going to be... I'm going to do a forecast so recording. I'm going you. out, blah, blah, blah. blah. Or I'll say that to one or a few people can be relayed when i'm leaving the room Mm -hmm. i'm just like i'm just going to bed or i'm going to bed That whereas you know it's just it's just just a funny little thing to think about about how our behavior is quite different depending on our birth order yeah and how we interact
0: there's there's so many factors to that because i feel like i even like i'm i'm the eldest, Mm. but i've always been seen as a rebel so, I'm the friend that will leave the club and I'll text you. and I'm home. You oh, yeah, me know? too. I'm, oh, yeah.
1: The French exit is the way forward, you know. you
0: just seen me outside.
1: Exit. Yeah, I mean, to an extent, I'll probably, I'll probably make sure if I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the people yeah.
1: that are coming with me will know that I'm
0: yeah. ready to go. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, but that that plays a part. Your birth order, also the type of character you were, because I, um, I was very resilient to saying yes and agreeing with everything when mm. growing up. That actually rarely enough, that changed. Like in my twenties, I started to become a yes lady. In my teens, I wasn't. You weren't
1: very agreeable.
0: No, I was just exploring life because-
1: Who were you disagreeing with?
0: Anyone that had authority over me. Cause I, I felt like growing up, I was like, why do you think you're right? This doesn't feel right, like the right answer, to, right answer. So why do you think you're right? Cause you've lived longer than me. Mm. Like that's the type of attitude that what? I had. And were, you, it,
1: were you close with your parents?
0: Growing up, um, no, like my, it was, it was very much so, um, my relationship with my parents have developed in the last, say, three years. Growing up, no, I was the disciplined child, I was the rude child and (laughs) like, do you know what I mean? The rebellious one, whatever. So that was, I continued and because from a young age as well, that's another thing that I think, that happened in black households, when you feed something into your child and say, you're this one, that one, I played into it. I said, okay, cool, I'm a rebellious one. Let me continue mm-hmm. being rebellious, you mm-hmm. know? And you might've been known to be the one that would always Peaceful. listen. Yeah. that
1: was agreeable.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But anyway, so mm-hmm. in regards to, so you jumped from, you being in journalism, you having your panic attack, mm-hmm. right? And I want to know what happened between that time to where Alex is now. How did you get to where you are now? I'm interested.
1: Right. So, yeah, I sometimes sit back and think about this these moments in my 20s, and I'm like, wow, really? Um, so I moved different papers because I thought, okay, I'm gonna go from diff- one paper to the next because oh. it might just be paper. Yeah. And it was fine, but then like little things would creep up again. Um, and I just thought, nah, it's the industry. I don't really like being in this industry, mm-hmm. so um after a year kind of in a different paper i just said um i'm gonna leave i'm gonna freelance Mm. i'm gonna just figure out what i want to do next but i just don't want to be in the job it's just not what i want to do and then um yeah so like i was just like you know freewheeling i was book editing i was doing podcast production for people i was writing more i was doing some freelance shifts on in on like websites journalism websites um and when i was on the metro.co.uk i started a column called men talk health and um i was like really just talking to different men about the different elements of their well-being um Mm. you know people that are doing like crazy adventurous things like running with wim hof to kind of help um his dad um you know heal from Parkinson's disease Mm. in a sense um you know to people to men with diabetes and how they deal with that to men with penis cancer and how they deal with that and all of these different conversations they were just amazing convos um and then i left there and um
0: where was your mental health by the way at this point it
1: was better because i wasn't in you know i wasn't full-time in any of these places um and um, i was in therapy So I was in therapy. I was getting my life together, getting my life, you know, I was getting dragged each week, generally getting kind of unpacking all of the stuff, you know, around my, you know, family stuff, around friends, around what I require from relationships, what I require from work, all these different stuff. It was just going deep and it was a a depth I'd never been in before. Um, I'd never spoken about outside of my journal and like the, the the two friends that i was when i went to uni with um so i was doing that so then after after that i got like um, you know my agent my now agent got in touch with me just randomly because i'd known her before when she was a publisher she mm. got in touch with me mm. um, because she said oh she's agenting now okay and i said oh cool and i was talking to a lot of agents at the time cause i was thinking i want to write a book i'm not 100 percent sure what i want to write about Um, And I went with this one because she's a black woman and would probably have my back a bit more in certain things. And Mm -hmm. I just thought, you know what, let's let's just go through it and try. And um, yeah, she said, you've definitely got a book that you can write about men's mental health. And, um, you know, I've had my podcast already because I was already talking to people about well-being Mm. and their mental health and well-being. I can pull conversations from there mm. and i've got the column and i said like you can pull conversations from there too and obviously do some fresh conversations mm. and yeah pull it into a book and share some of the experiences you've had in your 20s about you know and about the you know the books broken down into like real man myths and all these different um areas can i have a look at it as well yeah, yeah.
0: sorry so so it's broken down yeah, into the, books
1: of the books kind of that's my that's is my it, no it's
0: fine for reference everyone this is what it looks like i'm gonna add a link to the bio yeah but um in regards to um like the chapters, how have you broken down the chapters?
1: Okay, so they actually just go back a bit. Oh sorry, uh, this, yeah. No.
0: So I'll cover this no, is it all it's all right no, <laughs> no, no, it's
1: just like literally it's just me breaking trying to break make notes okay. about what to talk about in certain areas. Okay. But um it's the so yeah, so my, my agent said let's do this book and okay. I said, Okay, fine. So this is twenty nineteen now. Um managed to get it sold the proposal sold and the commissioned and it was commissioned in 2019. I started writing it in 2020. Um Then the pandemic happened. what's
0: that process like? So did she sell it in as an idea? Right,
1: so basically how it works with, well, typically with non-fiction, you write a proposal of like what the ideas that you have mm. in regards to, you know, the chapter breakdown, the synopsis, and then you've got a sample chapter, market, like who you're comparing, like who's the comparison in the market, what the projections are, all these different things. Mm. Um. Then your agent will then take that, probably tweak it a little bit, and then start to shop it out to different publishers. Right. And then a publisher will be like, like that book, want it,
0: and they commission. Here's
1: yeah, they commission it, and then they're like, oh, this is the advance for it, and you know, and based on what we think it would sell, and then they, and then you write that book. So and then that's how you. That's how people get the book deals.
0: So did did you write it yourself or did you help? Did you have like a team helping you to write it as well? No, I wrote it. Did you Yeah,
1: it? Wrote it in nine months.
0: In nine months, that's so quick. That was
1: wild. It was wild. It was stupidly quick. I didn't think it was that quick at first, and then I'm hearing people having two years to write books and all these. But um, you know what? Yeah, it was because I had a lot of the material already.
0: Right. So it was easy to do.
1: So it was kind of. It was a lot more. Like I could pull from resources that I would, and I wasn't kind of starting from scratch. I kind of at least had certain things and certain pieces already available to me. I just had to start filling in the gaps and making mm-hmm. making it relevant for um today. Um, and then this book was published in
0: 2021. Congrats! So yes.
1: a, a three-year-old, it's three, it's a toddler.
0: I know. So, this is going to so say it's, it's okay not to be okay. Quick, I'm going to quickly run through the chapters yeah. and ask you some questions about them. So, it's okay to not be okay. What's, what's all that about?
1: It's okay to not be okay. Um, uh, so, they're broken down into six myths. So, there okay. should be um, myths there. Um, yeah, broken down into six myths. Real man, that one is uh, the real men don't doubt themselves. Um the second chapter is Real Men Are Fearless Go Getters, so that's about self compassion. Mm. The third one is Real Men Don't Cry. Uh, the fourth one, Real Men Have No Worries About Their Bodies. So oh, fifth the fifth one is real is about self worth, which is mm. real men never fail. And the sixth one is about vulnerability and love and it's that real men are lone wolves. So it's a question of friendship and intimacy. So the first one mm. is about self doubt. Mm. Um and the in a critic.
0: Mm.
1: Um so yeah, it's I you know, I had to I was writing about how I felt as a mm. journalist. Because this is at this point I only had journalism as a as a career reference. And um how I felt as a journalist, how I felt and where that came from. Mm. The feelings of self worth and um lack of it, mm. and then questioning whether the other men felt this way. Mm. Because we don't talk about it. What do we, you know, mean? we don't talk yeah, about that stuff. Own. So I spoke to some other men. I was like, "Did you, did you ever feel that you have lack of self worth? Do you ever feel that you had no value and all this stuff?" And surprisingly, many came and said, "Hey, yes, <laughs> all the time." Um, and that's when we started having. That's when we started having the conversations.
0: So, how do you suggest that men, especially, I mean, men in general, also black men, how how would you suggest that they deal with that? a self-worth because that is a that's a hard thing because i see people deal with it in different ways so what are some of the coping mechanisms that you recommend for people dealing with self-worth
1: lack of self-worth i would say it, it begins by addressing addressing the need that you have um because a lack of self-worth kind of starts from a feeling from this need to you have this need to feel worthy and there's a kind of a hierarchy of things because worthlessness actually leads towards you know depression and which are symptoms of which are you know which are symptom of depression and anxiety is suicide a lot of different things um i think it's about it's a community thing i think if at first i do feel like we need to start rallying around Especially black men, we need to start rallying around black men and providing them with a sense of self worth that doesn't necessarily mean servitude to them in a sense. Do you see no, what I, mean? I don't understand that. So I think that a lot of us growing up as black men are only introduced to our worth by way of other people doing things for us whether that be the women in our lives, typically it's the women in our lives. That would If, like, if they're doing things for us- you, yeah. Oh, I made you this, or I did you that, or blah, blah. Mm. You know, I did that. I think we as black men, as a community, need to start rallying around each other a lot more and kind of injecting like positive, powerful messages. That can allow us to feel our self esteem affirmed through our community and through the people that we see. Mm. We spoke earlier about you said who were the black men that I looked up to and I and I said those those people, Denzel Washington, um, Denzel Washington, Will Smith, oh. whatever, because I felt the the affirmations from them about them. They never they never they both never explicitly spoke about being black. Yeah. But their presence as black men was something that was really important. Mm. Now a lot of people. Some people do have this experience in their in their families and in their communities. You know, you know, and um, and I just I just see the importance of that. Your self worth is pretty much kind of injected in you from a very young age. Your self esteem as well. But I think we need to learn to have self compassion a, a lot more too, because we can have self esteem, but when you overinflate self esteem, it can kind of lead to narcissism and other kind of areas. Mm. Um, when it's unregulated and unchecked as well. Um, but self-compassion, being able to say, yes, I failed at this thing, mm. or I didn't do as well as I could have done in this thing, but that's okay. The next time I do it, mm. you know, I'm going to do best. Better, yeah. um, there's a guy called Jason Wilson, who, I don't know if you've seen him, like he's a black man, bald haired beard. He does like martial arts. And he basically, um, he has this school, in the U.S., where he teaches Black boys martial arts, but he also has these really key life lessons with them, mm. and he's just like, and his work is just amazing. And I write about it in the book, but there's a scene where you know he's got a board, a plank, and then a boy is like trying to punch it, but he can't break it, and he starts crying because he can't break it and whatnot, mm. and he just says, "Look, he's like, what? He's like, why are you crying, son? And he's like, oh, because I can't break the board, and he's like, you know, it's okay to cry, and it's, I cry sometimes, it's important, but we have to understand why we're crying. Mm. Once we understand why we're crying, we mm. can then move past it and mm. move through it. So we, so we, when it comes up again, we can, we can at least it. battle with what that is yeah. and say, that, like, you know, why am I crying? Let me just, let's get through it. Exactly. And that is the way we need to start. When I talk about, you know, black men holding each other up, being able to communicate that stuff to one another mm. is important there. Um, you know, I think. Lot, I think in the main, a lot of black women do this for a lot of black men, and you know, for a lot, a lot of the time. Mm. Um, but I just think that the same way black women need black women to lift them up, black men need black men to be able to lift them up mm. in that way. It's interesting. Well.
0: It's interesting that that you say that because I'm thinking about the workplace, right? Mm. And I'm thinking if a black man isn't surrounded by other black men in the workplace. Should he expect that from his colleagues? Because we spend a lot of time at work, you
1: know. Yeah, I do think I do hear what you're saying. Or, oh,
0: um, or no, or, or, or do, you, or do you think I that? I don't know. I think
1: again, I do feel like these things should should. I, I'm trying to shy away from the shoulds and stuff, but it'd be better if these things could happen before people got into the workplace because you could, because mm. for example, if I had had the, that kind of confidence, that kind of injection of like value and well-being and, work. and what i walked into my workplace i probably would still be there as a as a journalist because i've got the i would have had the, the, resilience. the resilience and the, yeah. the community behind me to be able to do it but what we find is that when we go into places and we don't necessarily have that outside of us we try to find that inside a place that doesn't really have room for us in that way and that's why you know i don't like what happens pattern wise when a lot of black men go into particular areas because it's like oh you've lost yourself you've sold yourself to the corporate x1z or you're now becoming really quote-unquote white i don't like all those sayings mm-hmm. but we're trying to understand or we're trying to understand how, like, what that looks like do you want to go and check it <laughs> <laughs> I
0: know,
1: you know you are. yeah just so you know black people and black men go into these areas and go into these arenas it becomes quite it just becomes quite interesting how we kind of begin to conform. And I could feel myself doing it and become to conform to whiteness and kind of conform to the, the culture of the company and mm-hmm. to conform to all of that. Cause you have to survive, you have to get through, mm-hmm. but if they, but you have to, you're trying to make sure that you're accepted in that way. Mm-hmm. And I think that if there is no one behind you able to kind of like, you know, remind you of who you are, bring you back it's to, hard. bring you back to source, give you that kind of stuff. It's hard. Yeah. yeah it's, it's hard. But I, so I say that's one way.
0: I also feel like it's important, it's good to have it before you go into the workplace, but I feel like it's important to have that consistent community outside as well. Yeah. Hence why I even started create Connect, because I noticed that around the time of Black Lives Matter, a lot of black professionals were saying in their workplace, they don't feel safe, they don't feel yeah. safe to speak to anyone. So I was like, okay, cool, let's just huddle together and just be connected because we need each other consistently outside the workplace as well. So community, so like, Onto your point, I agree, community is everything. Yeah. Like for me anyway, it helps me. That's why I am where I'm today, cause the community,
1: yeah, yeah. you know.
0: But, um, okay, cool, perfect. So that's that chapter, so I'm, I'm conscious. I, I don't want to be taking up all of your time, but so the book for anyone that's interested is available on Amazon Yep. and also your website as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, And I definitely, I feel like black men or all men
1: All men All women
0: All yeah. Should get this So they understand how to Advise Deal with themselves as well Yeah Right So definitely something that um I'll be sharing And I actually want to get it for my dad Do it if he, Is there an audio version?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay I'll send audio Spen, I spent hours In that booth Reading the book Did not want to talk to anybody after
0: How long did it take?
1: It was two days Eight hours each day I had a threpsil I was on the threpsils Yeah man Listen, listen, listen to my voice. <laughs>
0: no, you hustle. I'm not gonna lie to you, because uh, for you to get like to do a book and then do an audio version is amazing. So I can send my dad the audio version because I know that he's not gonna be nothing. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so it's there, Audible. Mm-hmm. Um. So, talk to us about what you're doing now. So, there's a lot of things that you mentioned. You've got clients, you have mm-hmm. reviews time
1: to talk, podcast everything so just talk to us about what you're doing now okay so if, i'll start with the podcast for now it's kind of off air but it's the alex holmes podcast now and um it'll be coming back later this year i can't give a concrete date okay. um and it will be based around the stuff that i talk about in time to talk it will talk be looking at the real man myths it'll be breaking down um how to speak to men about particular things what we what we should be doing in therapy mm-hmm. um, with men um Looking at the wider conversations around masculinity, specifically looking at black men's things yeah. um but you know i I look at it from the from the position of venting from the position of being able to get the stuff off your chest and mm-hmm. I've got like a four part process for it um through my coaching and uh, my therapeutic coaching and whatnot, and yeah, it would just be talking the things around all of that stuff, so yeah. getting I've got questions from listeners and things that we're gonna expand on um and it would just be me like running through some stuff so it won't be too long it won't be maximum 20 30 minutes an episode and you know we're going to get through loads of different points different things a lot of the frequently asked questions that people always ask me um and i never know where to answer them and i feel like a lot of people want want to know the answer and i can put it down put it here and be like right this is a question that's asked me all the time here's my thoughts this is this is where i'm at let me know what you think
0: Okay.
1: What's the FAQ? An FAQ are frequently asked. No, question. no, no, no,
0: no. I, I, I mean for you basically. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't phrase that very well. I'm terrible question. No, but but I, what questions do you get asked?
1: What next? question do I get asked? Oh, so it's simply like, um, you know, how do I how do I get into therapy? Little thing. It's
0: like, being, being
1: a a no, no, how, do how, how do I like a lot of the time is a a lot of people are asking for their boyfriend, their brother their <laughs> uncle their cousin their <laughs> friend yeah always asking they're like also oh, um my boyfriend da, 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 my dad xyz how do i get go, how do i like, get them into therapy and all this different stuff um and we start having, these com- and I start having these conversations um i think with that question i tend to be like um you can't get somebody into therapy unless <laughs> they want to be in yeah. therapy um so the question i have to ask is are you in there, in because it's like you know, it's also a leading by example thing. Yeah. Um, for the black community specifically, it doesn't feel like a necessarily it's not necessarily a safe thing for them to think about going into mm-hmm. generally, but it's about getting overcoming that. Mm-hmm. All of these factors around Christianity, Islam, Beth, you know, yeah. you know, being where you're from in Africa, where you're from in the Caribbean, Latin America, even. I even African American kind of experiences, yeah. like all of these different like prejudices that come with therapy. So I tend to break that down and just yeah. be like, you know, here's how you go about getting a therapist. So somebody asked me recently around, um, how do you go about um, how do you go about getting one? Mm. You know, like there's everyone says go to therapy, go to this, but how do you go about actually getting one mm. that is good and that you can um, be part of? you know, do these sessions that want you sending you to do. Mm. And I'm like, you have to address what you need. You have to see what you need because therapy is not for everybody. And it's not everybody that needs therapy sometimes. And not uh, talking therapy as well. But there's so many different therapies. There's breath work. There's, you know, you can get a coach. You can get coaching in that way too. Mm. Um, therapy is great because of the depth level. Mm. And, you know, I'm really going back in time and, mm. and, and looking at the stuff that's happened to you. So they, and why you behave the way you do now so that you can kind of free yourself up going, for, going further, like, you know you know what I mean? If you're in a string of bad relationships yeah. and you're not, you know, and you, and you you don't know why this is happening to you, it's like, okay, well, therapy will kind of, it's unpacked what kind of people you're choosing. So sort of yeah. the problem with a lot of men though, I found is A, as I said, they don't vent, they don't talk about the stuff that they're going that they're going through and they don't have the emotional resilience to experience other emotions outside of anger and aggression Mm. typically um but it's that willingness to be able to go there go Mm. go to go to the places be able to look at their life and say right you know I actually i need to fix it i need to fix my life i need to fix that thing do you know what um yeah and that's what my that's what my program is about it's uh, as much as it's therapeutic coaching it's really about personal development and getting your life in order so that you can sit down and look at look at the table of all the stuff that's there and start and start to clear it up and organise the stuff because a lot of men are just out here freewheeling. And yeah. it's like because there's no structure, no guidance, no bringing people in. Mm. Um and that's what I try to help a lot of men with.
0: So and you focus solely on men with yeah. your coach? Actually. At the
1: moment. Okay. For, at the moment for sure, because there's not that many, you know, coaches that are focusing with men in this way but I mean over time it will definitely be opening up to, mm. to women with those who define as men and present as such yeah. but um I, over time I'll be opening it up to women because okay. um you know women talk and will be and will talk to me you know what I mean yeah. and, and I've had these conversations with women I just need to focus on getting men through the door um yeah. a, lot of, a lot of the time which is a hard
0: that's, tra- that's challenging hard really because even when you said actually getting your dad or boyfriend whoever to come to therapy, I remember I mentioned it to my dad the other day and um being first you know generation Jamaican, he kissed his teeth at me. <laughs>
1: was, like, that is business.
0: He's like women. Well, and I'm like, no, it's not great. It's um his, it's, it's, like, hey. it's like hey like you know he doesn't he does he doesn't understand it. Like I've had countless conversations with him and I and I really dad if you're watching this you need I love
1: you, but yeah. But do you know what? Do you know what you should suggest for him to do? Find a men's group online.
0: He's got church. That's that's what he considers as a okay. men's.
1: Okay. Well, he has his community there. Yeah. And and, and that's one thing. And because it's a it's a hard thing. Yeah. To step out when you step out of the things in in your way and you're in your ways and you have yeah. the community there. If he wanted to, and if he could, a men's group that you know that he does that, that he doesn't know any of them and he could just sit there and listen and yeah. build up the experience and build up the confidence to speak about what he's going through but yeah. again it has to come from from him.
0: him yeah and
1: again we also have to be comfortable with the fact that sometimes they're not going to do it yeah but so what do what does that say about us as you know as our, as their children and as the the people that are going to be looking after them when they're old and all of these all of these different things you know mm. sometimes they're not just they're just not going to do it so how mm. do we process that yeah going forward you know like how do we understand that about ourselves and who we are you know it's 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 very it's very easy to be like when you when you start something new and you want everybody to know about it i've been there i started therapy i was like everybody needs to go go to it do it do it do it do it i got most of my friends to do therapy um i think then over time i just started realizing like not everybody responds to therapy in the same way yeah you know, you're trying to get everybody to recreate your experience, but then it's like, or you're trying to get everybody to try to fix other people. And mm-hmm. it's just like, it's a challenge sometimes. Um, but so you, if the, it's like, gently be there, mm. provide support in the best way you can. Mm. When they're ready, they will go to it.
0: So, what would you say for a black man mm. or a man in general that's listening to this podcast right now that might be considering therapy or coaching? What's your message to him, and what's the best way to approach you?
1: I'd say talk to me and come find me at alexhomes.co. Um, You can find out how to book me on that. Drop me an email. I'd say go there, and um, and I can kind of give you the introductory kind of sessions into what therapy could feel like for mm. you. Mm. I have a very, I think I've I'm trained. But I also have a male-friendly approach. So mm-hmm. I've trained trained in that too. Mm-hmm. But also coming from my own experiences, I know kind of how to communicate with men in that way, especially therapeutically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's very intimidating for a lot of men to be told that they need to go to therapy but yeah. not actually ex- actually know what they're going to walk into. Yeah. And for me, I'm very much like, let's set out your goals. Let's set out the things that you kind of want to achieve in this. Let's mm-hmm. set out all of that. Let's mm-hmm. figure out where in your life we can start to, like, figure out and clear up and kind of build some sort of structure and things around so that we can start to do the work and get you into the next place into the next position into the next place that you want to be in yes and we will look at your goals and assess that Mm. and nine times out of ten a lot of men come in with saying oh i want a better job i want a better this i want a better job i want better relationships Mm. and it ends up being about having better having better relationships, and and that and that allows them to then have better jobs because they can yeah. communicate better. They can start to reach out to people more. They can start to do this, and it's like have better connections, have strong connections.
0: That makes me so happy that men are actually requesting that. Like that's so. Because, yeah,
1: because the, the 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 space I create is a safe one. Yeah. It's a space where it is contained. It's not. I mean, you know, what I mean, it's not just. It's not just, oh, we're going to bring you in here and now you've got to, you've got to divulge all your, yeah. all, your, all your stuff. But we're talking about, real things, yeah. real lives. I'm not, you know, I'm not, it's not performance. Yeah. I'm here for you and for you to be in this space. I take it seriously. So each client gets a unique experience with me because I, I tell them that I'm here for them. So I'd say if you're wanting to get into therapy and you don't know where to start, I'm literally saying you can start with me. Mm. I have the I have the I have the 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 resources. I have the bookings. I have all of this stuff. Just come along.
0: How do you cope with the things that are shared with you as well? Just um, you're looking after Mm. obviously you're looking after yourself, but how do you process? Because I'm sure there's a lot of information shared with you. There
1: is a lot of stuff. Um, and I'm trained in that way because like I'm so as a therapist you. Do your work. You work on yourself consistently. So you are going through supervision. So you go to you know you have a you have a supervisor who you can take cases to if you're struggling with them. You don't know where to go to next, um, which is important because it's beneficial for the client mm-hmm. yourself. You can't be you know solely responsible for yeah. trying to get them the, to the next bit. Mm-hmm. But if they reach an impasse, say so they don't want to speak anymore, so yeah. they get to a place where they can't move any further, then um, you can kind of go to supervisor but you can take them to a, spa- a space where they can't move any further mm. so you bring them you bring them to that space so you bring it to your supervisor but also I'm in therapy
0: okay. I have a therapist Okay.
1: and therapists need therapists the same way you know writers need editors and football players need coaches and all of these different things You, I need one so that I can deal with my own stuff so that doesn't come into the room if somebody says something and it quote unquote triggers me I have my stuff like I I do my stuff I do my work and that's how the cycle goes on you know so that's important Mm. so therapists need therapists um so that the so that it can be that safe space for the client
0: Mm. I love that I love that you're looking after yourself Mm. and others as well and just to confirm it feels very safe in this I'm very energy sensitive no, I am. Yeah. So, so I can I pick up on energies really well. You've got a very warming energy, like a sit on a sofa, chat all night, glass of yeah, wine type of vibe. Do you know what I mean? Man. Yeah, man. So, you know, and what about a
1: good conversation?
0: Exactly, that's exactly. Well, um, is there anything else that's coming up that you like to talk about or like to? Um, so you've got your podcast date, TBC. Yeah. Book everybody. Grab one for yourself, uncle, boyfriend, everybody, and coaching mm-hmm. and therapy Do anything else you'd like to,
1: to talk about not at the moment but um yeah. just watch this space come follow me on this journey um more content coming um looking forward to getting the podcast off the ground again Yeah. and yeah i'm just you know join me on the coaching journey it's therapeutic coaching so it's therapy and coaching combined so it's not just i'm gonna get you to the next place it's let's do some work and let's get through particular things i mean I'm trained in hypnotherapy. I'm trained in, you know, other areas of therapy too. So, you know, we can work on some deep stuff. Um, So, yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at right now.
0: Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your energy and space with me. Ah, well. Thank you for bringing it no story. In. No worries, well thank you. And um, for all those that have been listening to the podcast from day one to day now, whatever day it is for you, thank you for working with us. And remember to join the community, to join a community, You know, just like what Alex said as well, make sure you have that built around you and ensure that they align with your values as well. Don't compromise on that. Not at all. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you, everyone. And I hope you have a good day. Yeah. Thank you. Bye.